Today we're going to begin in 1 Samuel 24. That's where we're going to be for the most part. And we're going to look at an Old Testament example of having love for our enemies. We're going to begin by reading 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. Holy Scripture reads, When Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the wilderness near En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's choice men and went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. When Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there, and he went in to relieve himself. David and his men were staying in the back of the cave, so they said to him, Look, this is the day Yahweh told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you, so you can do to him whatever you desire. Then David got up and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. People normally think that loving our enemies was something new and improved that Yeshua brought in with his ministry. There's a paradigm out there in the church world that thinks this. The Old Testament taught the Israelites to hate their enemies but the New Testament teaches us to love our enemies. That statement, as is the case with so many one-liners, that statement is much too simplistic. There is more depth that needs to be covered to get to the truth of this matter. Now, there are certainly enemies of Israel that were not to be tolerated and not to be loved in the sense of not to be cared for. Probably the most well-known example of this is in the story of David and Goliath, Goliath of Gath. Goliath was certainly an enemy of Israel, but he was also an enemy of Yahweh. David struck him down with a rock in a slingshot, cut off his head, brought it into the camp, into the city, and partook in a victory march. Although some people would like to downplay that, it is in the Bible. It's one of those children's stories that everybody thinks is all frilly and white and puffy. But that actually happened. A little shepherd boy killed a giant. Now, that's not the main point of my lesson today, but it should be clear that loving our enemies, a biblical teaching, does not negate the fact that Yahweh has enemies and sometimes He commands us to disdain His enemies. We're always to love Yahweh more and first. At the same time, in the Old Testament, we're going to see right here in the life of David the aspect of loving our enemies. It's important that we recognize this so that we can show others that the concept of loving our enemies is not something new with Yeshua. It didn't just come on the scene in Matthew chapter 5 or in the Gospels or the New Covenant. It goes back to the Old Testament. In this case, it goes back to David. As we'll see later in the lesson, it actually goes all the way back to Father Yahweh. And that makes it an eternal concept in the nature of the Almighty. We're going to see that the Almighty Yahweh loves His enemies before the lesson is through today. Now we begin by reading 1 Samuel 24, 1-4, and here we see in our opening text that Saul takes 3,000 of the choice men in Israel, the warriors, 
and he goes on a hunt for David. Now, that's some serious anger issues to hunt down a man that you don't like with 3,000 soldiers. King Saul had a lot of pent-up anger in his heart. David had done nothing against King Saul. Remember that from last week. David had done nothing against King Saul. He had not violated any laws of Yahweh against the king. Remember this all began because Saul was jealous of David after David slaughtered the giant and the women sang David's praises. Yahweh's spirit had left Saul, but Yahweh's spirit had taken control of David. You'll actually find that in the Bible in 1 Samuel 16, 13 through 14. The Bible also tells us in 1 Samuel 18, verse 12, that Saul was afraid of David because Yahweh was with David but had left from Saul. Now, at first, Saul hoped that the Philistine army would kill David. Before he tried to hunt David down, he thought the Philistines will eventually kill him. He can't continue to get through this great and mighty Philistine army. So Saul's plan was to give one of his daughters in marriage to David, the first one that he planned to give to David. Her name was Merab. And that would make David his top warrior in the army of Israel. And thus Saul thought, well, he'll die in battle. I'll act like I'm giving him prestige, but he'll die against the Philistines. Now David, a humble man, actually declined Saul's daughter Merab at first. David said he did not think that he was good enough to be the son-in-law of the king of Israel. He considered himself a poor and a common man. Later, Saul offered his other daughter's hand, Michal, in marriage. But Saul said that Michal was to be given to the man who would kill 100 Philistines and bring their foreskins back to Saul as a payment for his daughter. Saul figured that if David tried to do this, and bring him a bride price, then he would end up dying. Surely he couldn't kill a hundred Philistines. But David went out, the Bible tells us, and killed 200 Philistine men, and cut off their foreskins, and brought them to Saul as full payment for Saul's daughter, Michal. Now I bet you're glad I don't have a picture of that on the screen tonight, right? We've come a long way since then. David was a mighty, mighty man. Once again, that's in the Bible. It's probably not in the Precious Moments Bible, (laughs) but it's in the Bible. As a result, we're told in 1 Samuel 18, 29, that Saul became even more afraid of David after he did this. And Saul was David's enemy from then on. Mark that. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 29, says that Saul was David's enemy from then on. Saul could never pin David to the wall with his spear. So he eventually went on a manhunt for David's life. Thus we read 1 Samuel 24. That's the manhunt. Saul found a cave while he was searching for David. And he went in to take a break. But he did not realize that David and his men were in the back of that same cave. Now as we read in 1 Samuel 24 verse 4, David's men say to David, Look. This is the day Yahweh told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you so you can do with him whatever you desire. But when I read the Bible before that and after that, in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and 1 Kings, 
I cannot find where Yahweh ever said those words to David. What we have here is this. David's men, they loved David, and they knew that the kingdom was going to be taken from Saul and given to David. So David's men interpreted that as David has the authority to kill Saul. That was a misinterpretation, okay? but that's what David's men were thinking in their mind. They were wrong in their interpretation. Yahweh had promised to tear the kingdom from Saul back in 1 Samuel chapter 15 when he disobeyed some of the commandments of Yahweh and he brought back some animals for a sacrifice when Yahweh had told him to completely destroy all the animals of the Amalekites. Saul thought he was doing good. The prophet Samuel said to obey is better, better than to sacrifice and to hearken to Yahweh's law is better than the fat of rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as idolatry. And so King Saul grabbed a hold to Samuel's robe and it tore. And Samuel said, Thus shall the tribes of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, be torn out of your hand. So that was a a prophecy from Prophet Samuel in chapter 15. But none of that meant that Yahweh gave David permission to kill King Saul. Because as we're going to see, as long as Saul was in the position of king of Israel, he was Yahweh's anointed king. And David said, far be it from me, we'll read that in a second, that I would strike or use my hand to touch in a harmful way the anointed king of Yahweh and over the Israelites. So after hearing his men, David, instead of harming King Saul, he got up and he, the Bible says he secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe while Saul was taking a break. Now I assume that Saul had fallen asleep, he was probably tired, That's why he did not feel David cut his robe. It's probably dark in there, nice and cool. And now we come to verses 5 through 7. Let's read those verses. Afterwards, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, I swear before Yahweh, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, Yahweh's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is Yahweh's anointed. With these words, David persuaded his men and he did not let them rise up against Saul. Then Saul left the cave and went on his way. Those words tug on my heartstring every time I read them in verse 5 where it says that David's conscience bothered him. Brothers and sisters, I'm so thankful that Yahweh gives us a conscience to be bothered by. I'm so thankful that when I sin, it bothers my conscience. I'm so thankful that I can't just sin and drink it down like water and and it not bother me. So thankful for that conscience. You know, David could have gotten up in a rage. He could have cut Saul's head off. Saul had tried to kill David more than once at this time. And David could have justified it in his mind. And it likely crossed David's mind. But David that day swore before Yahweh. He took an oath before Yahweh, and he said, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, Yahweh's anointed. See, Saul was still in the position of the king of Israel. And even though he was David's enemy, David treated him with kindness and with love. David purposed in his heart that he would not kill the anointed king, even though the king was doing evil towards David. Brothers and sisters, that's an example of loving our enemies in the Old Testament. What a man of integrity David was. But how difficult 
it must have been for him to do that. How hard it must have been for David to love his enemy, to do good to someone who despitefully used him, to bless someone who cursed him, to spare someone who had tried to murder him numerous times. Only the love of Yahweh dwelling in David's heart could do that, brothers and sisters. Only Yahweh's love. Saul woke up, the Bible says, and left the cave. He did not even realize that a corner of his robe was gone. Let's read verses 8 through 15 to see what happened next. 1 Samuel 24, 8 through 15. After that, David got up, went out of the cave, and called to Saul, My Lord, the king! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed to the ground in homage. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of people who say, Look, David intends to harm you? You can see with your own eyes that Yahweh handed you over to me today in the cave. Someone advised me to kill you, but I took pity on you, and I said, I won't lift my hand against my Lord, since He is Yahweh's anointed. See my father. And notice David calls him my father. You know, Jesse was David's daddy. But remember when David killed that giant, he went to live in the palace with King Saul. Saul was close to him. He was like a daddy to him. So therefore he says, See my father, look at the corner of your robe in my hand, for I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. Look and recognize that there is no evil or rebellion in me. I have not sinned against you, even though you are hunting me down to take my life. May Yahweh judge between you and me, and may Yahweh take vengeance on you for me, but my hand will never be against you. As the old proverb says, wickedness comes from wicked people. My hand will never be against you. Who has the king of Israel come after? What are you chasing after? A dead dog? A flea? May Yahweh be judge and decide between you and me. May He take notice and plead my case and deliver me from you. I don't have to comment a whole lot on it because it's fairly self-explanatory. And it's really amazing when you ponder upon what's taking place. David had every natural reason he could have to take Saul's life. Every natural reason. But instead, he left it in Yahweh's hands. He refused to bring any harm to Yahweh's anointed king. David loved his enemy. And Saul realized it. Look at what Saul said, verses 16 through 22. The Bible says, When David finished saying these things to him, Saul replied, Is that your voice, David, my son? Then Saul wept aloud. See, there was still something going on in Saul's heart, even though Yahweh had left him, and he was having these troubling times in his life. There was still something going on, and he wept, because he knew, he knew, deep down inside, he knew what he was doing was wrong. David was not at fault, but he wanted him dead. Verse 17, And he said to David, You are more righteous than I. For you have done what is good to me, though I have done what is evil to you. You yourself have told me today what good you did for me. When Yahweh handed me over to you, you didn't kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him go unharmed? May Yahweh repay you with good for what you've done for me today. Now I know for certain you will be king, and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. Therefore swear to me by Yahweh, that you will not cut off my descendants 
or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David swore to Saul. Then Saul went back home, and David and his men went up to the stronghold. Saul felt remorse that day. Saul felt sad. And he had some type of repentance in his heart that day for what he had did. But, if you keep reading, you get to 1 Samuel chapter 26, you can see where even after this account, Saul still pursued David in an attempt to capture him and probably in an attempt to kill him. But again, that's some homework for you to do. Read chapter 26. Again, David spared Saul's life. David loved his enemy, Saul. You know, David was being like Father Yahweh in these occasions. Do you know that? Remember, David was a man after Yahweh's own heart. And do you know that the Bible teaches us that Yahweh loves his enemies every day? Yahweh feeds people who curse him. Yahweh gives health to people who do not acknowledge him. Yahweh clothes people who care nothing about him and never speak one word to him. That's loving his enemies. Listen to Matthew 5, 43-48, where Yeshua explains this love of our Heavenly Father. Matthew 5, 43. Yeshua says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the heathen do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Yeshua tells the crowds that they've been hearing. You've heard that it hath been said, Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. In Matthew chapter 5, there's a string of these statements that people have been hearing. In Matthew 5.21, the first of the statements, Yeshua says, You've heard that it was said by them of old time. Or you've heard that it was said to our ancestors, some Bibles read. Yeshua is explaining how people of old, or people not so far back, had interpreted Yahweh's law. That's what he means by, you have heard that it hath been said. Notice in all of these occasions, he never says, it is written, and then quotes scripture. But always you have heard that it hath been said, and then he quotes a distortion of sacred scripture. He's telling them, this is what you've heard has been said. Now listen to what I'm going to tell you. I will give you the correct interpretation. You've been following the incorrect interpretation. Yeshua in Matthew chapter 5 is not contrasting Moses with him. Yeshua is not contrasting old law with so-called new law. That's not the purpose of Matthew chapter 5. Yeshua is not saying that it used to be right to do this, but now it's wrong to do that and I've got something new. No. He's explaining to them that some people have wrongly interpreted certain laws, and one reason that Yeshua came was to straighten out their misunderstanding. That's actually what Yeshua meant when He said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. We interpret that from a 21st century mindset 
And even Messianic or Hebrew roots people interpret it wrongly because we interpret it from a, from a 21st century perspective. Whereas in the first century, Yeshua wasn't the only rabbi. There were many teachers with students. And it was very common that when a rabbi would correctly interpret the law or the Torah, it was said that he fulfilled it. He did right by it. He interpreted it correctly. But when he misinterpreted the Torah, it was said that he destroyed the Torah. And Yeshua was saying, I didn't come to give you the incorrect interpretation. I came to tell you exactly what Father Yahweh means. Look at me. Listen to me. I'm going to speak to you the proper understanding of Yahweh's law. And that's why he starts off by saying, unless your righteousness exceed the scribes and Pharisees, you'll in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he goes on to contrast the way they interpret the law versus the way that the law should be interpreted. Let me give one example before I move on to kind of get this ironed out in your mind. One of the things that the people had heard that it was said was, do not murder. Now the scribes and the Pharisees, they would quote that commandment. That's the sixth commandment. But they would limit it to physical murder. And they said, well, we keep the letter of the law. We don't murder anybody physically, so therefore we're righteous in the law. Yeshua, though, pointed out, listen, yeah, physical murder, the letter of the law, that's good, but it goes deeper than that. If you have hatred in your heart towards your neighbor, you're the same as a murderer in your heart. So Yeshua's saying, look, you're trying to misinterpret or distort the Torah with your ways and your sayings and not get to the heart of the matter. Very similar in Matthew 5, 43-48. One of the things that people had been saying was love your neighbor but hate your enemy. Now that sounds real good to our flesh. I'm sure it would have sounded good to David's flesh too. I'm sure that David would have loved to read love your neighbor but hate Saul because he's your enemy and he's after your life. But did David hate Saul? No, he didn't. He loved him. And not just with his words. Because anybody can say, I love you. David loved him with his actions. David loved him with his actions. Even though there may have been something in David's mind saying, go ahead and take his life. David said, no, I'm going to withstand that. Cut off a corner of his robe. And even his conscience was bothered by that. That he did that to Yahweh's anointed king. David was being persecuted by Saul for no lawful reason. David was experiencing wrongful persecution, so he handed Saul over to Yahweh. David even said, we read it a moment ago, vengeance belongs to Yahweh. I have handed you over to Yahweh. Yahweh will take care of you, but I will not lift my hand up against my Lord the King. So Yeshua tells the crowds in Matthew 5, but I say unto you, you've heard that it's been said this, but I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now that last statement, pray for those who persecute you, that's the key statement. Oftentimes the followers of Yeshua would experience persecution from people in their own families, among their own kindred, just like David. Matthew chapter 10, 34-36, Yeshua says, Do not assume that I came to bring peace on the earth, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. How were the followers of Yeshua to respond to such persecution? 
when they had enemies in their own household come against them and persecute them, just like David did with Saul, how were the followers of the Messiah to respond to that persecution? Yeshua says, with love and with prayer. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Yeshua is telling them that when religious persecution arises, do not fight back. Show your enemies love and pray for them that their heart might be healed. See, our desire should be that our enemies, the ones who mock us and persecute us for our faith, which we've not experienced anything like the first century followers of Yeshua experienced. Okay, But if that happens in our life or the life of people that have gone on before us, saints before us, when people would mock and persecute followers of Yeshua for their faith, the Christian, the follower of Christ, would hope that the mocker or the persecutor would come to the knowledge of the Messiah by Yahweh working through us. In other words, our mockers, their spiritual eternal life is more important than our physical temporal life. Now, have you ever gotten to a discussion with an atheist or a heathen out in the world and they kind of got up under your skin and rubbed you the wrong way? Or am I the only one that that's happened to? Because it's like talking to those blinds right there. Okay, but you have to remember, why do you love Yahweh? It's because He first loved you, brother and sister. So you've got to remember, I don't have this in my notes, but I, I go over, let's go over to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. See, our desire, if we come across somebody like that, that mocks our faith or persecutes us with words, you know, one, one form of persecution is words. They say all manner of evil against you falsely for the sake of the Messiah. We know people in the world do that to Christian people, okay? But our desire should be that they come to the knowledge of the truth. So instead of speaking to them in an angry way or in an upset way, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to talk to those that oppose the faith with gentleness. Second Timothy 2, verse 24. It says that the Lord's slave or servant, that's us, must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps Yahweh will grant them repentance to know the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, having been captured by him to do his will. The Apostle Paul is not saying that they're not captured by the devil. Okay, If you meet somebody out there that is anti-Christ, anti-Messiah, or that persecutes you for your faith, they're captured by the devil. Okay? They've been taken captive by Him to do His will. But when we speak to them, we can raw, 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 okay? Or we can speak to them in gentleness and meekness and in kindness because perhaps Yahweh might be using us to grant them repentance because we used to be at the same place that they're at right now. And a lot of times we forget that. We forget that we haven't always known what we know now. And so we have to be gentle when we're instructing. The Lord's slave must not quarrel, but be gentle able to teach, and what? And patient. And patient. I need that one. I need that one because I get impatient when I you know, witness about the faith. And, but I have to remember they're taken captive by the adversary and they need a new heart and they need a new mind. And Yahweh could be using me. He wants to use me 
to do that and to grant them repentance. So, in Matthew 5, as we get back to there, Yeshua gives us the greatest example that He could possibly give of loving enemies. He says that when we love our enemies and we pray for those who persecute us, that we will be sons of our Father, or children of our Father, daughters is included, in heaven. What he means is this, is that when you love your enemies and pray for the people who persecute you, you will be imitating Yahweh, and thus you will be like Yahweh. When David did not kill Saul, he was being like his heavenly Father, Almighty Yahweh. How? Well, Yeshua gives us two examples. And they are the example of the sun and the rain and what blessings those two things are. Could you imagine Yahweh totally removing either one of those blessings? You read Deuteronomy chapter 28, the blessings and the cursings chapter, the sun and the rain are part of the blessings. Drought and darkness, part of the cursings. What if Yahweh decided that He would no longer send any more rain in the United States? All the rain was over with. It would be catastrophic. It would not last long. What a blessing from our Father in Heaven. He's a loving Father. What a blessing that He sends the rain. Or what about the sun? What if you woke up tomorrow and the sun did not rise? I cannot even begin to imagine that. But we take the sun for granted because we expect it to rise in the east when we wake up in the morning. But Yahweh is the one that makes it rise. And He makes it rise on the evil and on the good. Yeshua said He makes His Son to rise. That's Yahweh's Son. That Son belongs to Yahweh. But He makes it rise on the evil and on the good. The evil man gets the blessings of the Son just like the good. The evil man, the unrepentant, wicked atheist gets the blessing of the rain just like the righteous man gets the blessing of the rain. Yahweh is loving His enemies in that regard. Yeshua said our Father in Heaven sends these great blessings on both the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, there are people who, if given the chance, would spit in Yahweh's face. But they still get His sunshine and they still get His rain. He is loving those who persecute Him. He is being kind and gracious to people who do not appreciate Him. And He's done it for thousands and thousands of years. He hasn't stopped. And that's because, brothers and sisters, this is something you need to get a hold to. That's because Yahweh says that He does not take any pleasure in the death of the wicked. Ezekiel 18, verses 23 and 32. Yahweh says, O house of Israel, I take no pleasure when one of you dies in your wickedness. He says He rather takes pleasure in us repenting of our sin and following Him. Now, Yahweh is not just a gracious mighty one. He's also a just mighty one. means He's righteous. He's got judgments. Okay, So Yahweh has to punish unrepentant sinners. He has to. They don't get off the hook. But He doesn't get His kicks from it. He takes no pleasure in that. Read Ezekiel 18. He loves those who persecute Him. He said, I would rather you turn from your sin than die in your wickedness. He is a loving Father. Let's talk about His love. Let's concentrate on His love right now. 
Every time you see that great big ball of fire, that sun rise in the sky, you think of the love of Yahweh is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and it reaches to the lowest hill. Where could I go that I would flee His presence? He's always there. Every time them rain, it started raining today and because this is on my mind, I looked at those raindrops and I thought, the love of Yahweh. He's a loving, caring Father. He's sending His rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And I say, I can't love my enemies. And Yahweh's been doing it for all these years. Yeshua goes on to say that if we love those who love us back and we only greet those who are kind to us back, what reward is there in that? Heathens can do that. You can have a rank, unrepentant, filthy sinner that has no repentance in his or her heart out there and they can love somebody that loves them. What reward is there in that? That's not anything special. But it is sacrificial love. It costs something when we love someone who hates us. One of the things that it costs us is it costs us our pride when we love someone who is like a King Saul. When we kneel down and pray for somebody who persecutes us, because we, like Yahweh, we don't take pleasure in seeing them die in their sin. We would rather that they repent of their wickedness, that Yahweh would grant them repentance. 2 Timothy 2, 24-26. Probably be a good idea to print that one out off of your computer and put it on the refrigerator. Before you walk out the door to meet society every day, read, the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle. Help me be gentle and help me be patient today, Yahweh. Help me love my enemies like you've been loving yours for thousands of years. See, Yeshua's followers would experience severe persecution in their lives. You can read it in the book of Acts. Severe persecution. He knew it was going to happen to them. It would first happen to him, their teacher, and afterwards them, his pupils or his disciples, his students. And he said their enemies would be the people in their own households. Matthew chapter 10. Yeshua is telling them, when this happens, show them love. Pray for your persecutors. Be like Yahweh. Send them sun. Send them rain. Shower them with blessings. Pray for their repentance. You know, one of the best examples as I close of this in the Bible is from Brother Stephen in Acts chapter 7. This blows my mind every time I read it or I think about it. Brother Stephen was being stoned with rocks. He had done nothing wrong. He had not violated any laws of Yahweh. You can read he preached a whole sermon in Acts 6 and then in Acts 7 to unrepentant leaders of Israel. And he got through and they gnashed on him with their teeth, meaning they couldn't stand what he was saying. And they started throwing rocks at Brother Stephen. And one man there that day was Saul of Tarsus. He stood by there that day. He was, he was Stephen's enemy. But Stephen prayed as he died. He said, Master, do not lay this sin to their charge. Please forgive them. Brother Stephen prayed for those who persecuted him while he was getting rocks thrown at him. Yeshua ends in Matthew 5 by saying, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What Yeshua is saying is that we are to be perfect in our love. The word perfect carries the meaning of complete, entire Whole, W-H-O-L-E, lacking nothing. Something that does not lack. Yeshua is teaching us, love like Yahweh loves. Be perfect like your Father loves. Be perfect here means don't just love people who love you. Love people who hate you 
just like Yahweh loves both. Have that perfect and complete love. See, Yahweh loves and blesses people who love Him and people who hate Him. Remember the sun and the rain? And what a message this is. And what a man David was. David is an excellent example of this in 1 Samuel 24. David was being perfect like his heavenly Father was perfect in his love, not just for his friends, but also for his enemies. David was being a son of the Most High Father Yahweh. May Yahweh help us to do the same. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Father, thank you for loving us, Father, even when we don't show you love. There's not been a day that went by that you didn't show us love. And Father Yahweh, sometimes we we love you back and sometimes we forget you. Father Yahweh, I pray that you would help us acknowledge you more. I pray that you'd help us not take for granted your blessings. And I pray that you'd help us to imitate you and be like you and love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Father, if there ever comes a time when we are persecuted like the first century followers of Yeshua were, if that day ever comes upon us while we're living on the earth, we need to be strong in this teaching. We need to be strong in this right here and pray for our persecutors. Help us, Yahweh, because it's only with with the new heart, it's only with your help that we'll be able to do that. Through your Son, Yeshua, I pray. Amen.